passion. Passion and the energy of sexuality, libido. We are going to be discussing adult content right here. My friend, Miyoko, she's been in the adult entertainment industry for a long time now. She performs on stage around the country. So I am so thrilled that she took the time to come into the studio. We are going to be talking about sex, but we're also going to be talking about parenting from her unique perspective. I hope you enjoy the show today. Here we go with Miyoko. This show is about energy. And one of my favorite kinds of energy is the energy of sexuality. If you've been tuning into the show, you know that laughter is one of my favorite things too, but sexuality, my friends, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I have my friend (laughs) Miyoko Rifkin here today to talk about the energy of sexuality, basically. I think Uh, it's definitely a life force. yes, Yes, definitely, definitely. You're an intimacy expert. In the field. (laughs) It's true, you guys. Well, she's amazing. You're amazing. It's funny that you say that, though, because when you hear it repeated back to you, I don't know, I come from a place of humility. So I go, well, I'm not really an expert, but who is? I mean, I think that what I am is a very recreational sexologist, and I love the topic of intimacy and connection. And I feel like human connection is one of the most vital parts of life. Yes. And one that we neglect the most. Yes, yes. And I I think that in our society, sexuality is kind of taboo. Extremely. Extremely. I mean, no matter where you are in the world, every country has their different degrees of what's okay and what's not, and even Mm -hmm. amongst our society. And I just love you, your approach to sexuality. You're, You're just so eloquent frankly the way you describe things I, I think love that it. helps though that helps a lot because when people hear street terminology for body parts or actions then there is a judgment attached to it but if you just use clinical terms and scientific terms and anatomical terms then uh-huh. people kind of relax a little bit and go oh okay because there's no emotion attached to it uh-huh. they're just listening to dialogue right at that point and I think that's what keeps people a little bit at ease with me. Yes, yes. Because we all have our trigger words. Like, for example, if we want to talk dirty to our lover, we need to make sure we're saying the right words because one wrong word and it's all over. Well, and sometimes we don't know what that person, what their perception of that word is. Exactly. And let me tell you something funny that happened the other day. I was at a high school party at a bowling alley Mm -hmm. and another mom and I, I was in charge of cleaning up and I go, oh, I'm the fluffer. And she and I looked at each other, what? and we were like, oh. And you don't know, you forget. Right. We're like, oh, I think that's a bad word. Right. Well, it was. It was back in the That was a job, right? Yeah, that was a job. For sure. But um, it's so funny. So the words you use can have so much meaning, of course. Yeah. But I love the energy that you bring to a room, to a class. Oh. Now, you guys, let me tell you. Miyoko is a pole dance instructor Mm -hmm. and one of the most the greatest things about that is the empowerment that you give to the students in the class and that forgiveness and self-compassion which we are talking about all the time here it doesn't matter what shape your body is right what color you are where you live on the planet Mm -hmm. sexuality is a part of life but those differences and that diversity are a beautiful thing. 
Yeah, I think especially as we're younger and we're bombarded with all of these ideas of what is perceived as sexy, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're constantly bombarded with these images and yet nobody really explains to us that everything and everyone is beautiful mm-hmm. and everyone and everything is attractive to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're kind of, we kind of fit ourselves into a box and think if we go outside of that box that nobody will like us, nobody right. will love us. Ultimately, that's what we want. And we end up living our lives pretending we're mm-hmm. something different than we are. And how much pleasure is lost by mm-hmm. trying to be so detached from our bodies that we don't just appreciate them in their current state. Right. I've had plenty of women that come to me and say, oh, when I lose 20 pounds I'll come pole dance and I'm like no 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 don't do that right (laughs) pole dance now pole dance now and if you still want to lose the 20 pounds go right ahead Uh but love your body the way it is now and you know find all of the just yummy juicy sexual energy that you possess now right and it doesn't matter after that and and I find that most women they're not obsessed with their bodies once they actually are present and within their own body and within their own skin right. and comfortable. Right. It doesn't matter. You know, we all fluctuate throughout the month anyway. Yes. <laughs> Five, yes, ten yes. pounds here or there. You know, if we obsessed about that constantly, my God. Right, right, right. We would be in such a state of disconnect that we yeah. wouldn't be able to connect with our partners, ourselves, our pleasure, our satisfaction. When we start to get comfortable with our own discomfort, Mm-hmm. We wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. If we were happy with our body. <laughs> right. That and would be scary. That would be scary. <laughs> that would be strange to be so proud of your body, so even liberated. though you're not a magazine model. Right. It is. It's scary it's, to be that liberated. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and when women do kind of connect with that sexual energy, that sensual power that they have, uh-huh. and then they go out into the public they also get scared because this energy comes back at them, mm-hmm. right? And they're mm-hmm. attracting things and they're like, whoa, I can't, I, I don't know how to manage this. Right, Because right. they might be comfortable exuding their energy, but not yet navigating it. Yeah, yeah. interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow, so, so Miyoko, <laughs> when we first met, mm-hmm. your company, tell us a little bit about your company well, because so when, adult toys mm-hmm. basically and we were talking a moment ago too by the way that ability to fit into a community mm-hmm. that has a certain idea in their heads what certain jobs are let's say like right. we were talking like the the acceptance like being in the toy industry mm-hmm. how did you feel how did people react when you told them you were in that industry Um, It was kind of interesting because I was always around maybe more of an alternative lifestyle anyway. Mm -hmm. I was a stripper when I was in my 20s. I worked for Playboy. So I was used to being around people that it... That See, was no it big was deal. normal. Right. Yeah. It was no big deal. Right. And then having kids and moving out to the suburbs, which is when we met. Yes. Was when I realized like, whoa. Everybody doesn't People think are this afraid way. of me. Yeah. 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 People are afraid of me. Like it doesn't matter how I behave, what I do. It's a label. Right. And right. they attach sex toys to me and that's dangerous. Uh-huh. uh-huh. You know, anything remotely re- related to sexuality right. was dangerous. And so you hosted my first party out here so with our mom's group, but that <laughs> yes. broke the ice for everybody. Yes. And then they got to talk to me and see me yes. and, and then I wasn't scary anymore. Right. right. You know, it was like, oh, she's really great. And I just told her all my secrets. So <laughs> yes. Well, and you're so loving and compassionate about mm-hmm. it. Whether the, the the people are here as a couple situation mm-hmm. and they want to spice up their marriage with some toys 
or um, they want to figure out how to talk to their kids about stuff. Mm -hmm. By the way, and we'll get to that in a minute, because parenting, obviously, you have some topics and some things in your home that some of us don't have on the coffee table, and that's (laughs) okay. And I forget that sometimes. (laughs) And that's okay, and as the kids get older, I think that the worst thing that we can do as a society in general, and that's what I'm talking about just from a spiritual standpoint too, is awareness. Right. Yeah. Awareness of the truth, awareness of our energy. Mm-hmm. You can't bury things. Repression mm-hmm. is scarier. It's a killer. Yeah. It is yeah. a killer. And we not only lack the self-awareness, we're afraid yes. of the self-awareness because we're afraid of being judged by other people. Yes. And so what I think people do learn and as they get to know themselves more, they mm-hmm. realize, oh, the more I accept myself, the less I judge others. Yes. And that's a that's a very true reality yes. of self-work and self-growth. Yes. It's like the more you focus on yourself, the less you're worried about labeling anybody else. You've got your own stuff yes. that, you're, that you're dealing with. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I feel like if more people would be just more accepting of themselves, right. the other stuff would be pretty easy. Well, it comes full circle. It does. The more judgmental mm-hmm. you are of other people. Right. Yeah, like you said. Yeah. You can feel strange. You can feel like you're supposed to be a certain way and deny right. yourself. Well, and energetically, too, you're going you're gonna to navigate toward or away from people that don't make you feel good about yourself. Right, right. And that's another important thing is we constantly keep ourselves in a place where people don't make us feel good about ourselves, but mm-hmm. we feel like we're supposed to be there. Right. Or we're obligated to be there instead right. of just moving away from that energy, yes. taking a break and restoring ourselves and going, oh, wait, no, this is what feeds me, not that. Right, right, right. And the same is in either direction, too, I think, especially when we're talking with teens. Especially with teens. Just because everyone else is having sex, Mm -hmm. and and you don't really, you're not that interested, but you just do it to fit in. Right. Or to check the box. I mean, how many of us just needed to tick that box? Yeah. Get it over with. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm (laughs) bi, maybe I'm this. Right. You know, why not? Right. Uh, but you got to go back to why if, right. if you're not naturally inclined yeah. to it why pretend well and that's something that I think is is terribly lacking in sex education in the school system yeah is that it's only reproductive science mm-hmm. that's being taught in schools mm-hmm. and whatever morality gets pushed in there right, right right but nobody's really talking about pleasure education and nobody's talking about the plethora of things that you can do right in order to give and receive love right. and affection right 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 so right. you know i i really try to just say things around my kids uh-huh because they don't really want to talk to me about sex you know right. kids i mean my what? daughter will, they don't even want to talk to you your own kids of course not because <laughs> i'm the sex person so of course they don't they're want to like talk oh to no me. she's talking about sex again right i mean they don't want me to talk to them about anything really because yeah. they feel like parents just you know everything and you're going to talk to me for 10 minutes and i just want one answer right right type right. of thing right? right so i've never given my kids the talk uh-huh because i just feel like it's completely inappropriate. Uh-huh. Sex comes up all the time uh-huh. if we allow it to. Right. We have an opportunity everywhere when we see things in a movie, when we, you know, instead of avoiding when we go, oh my God, that scene, I hope they're not looking. I hope they're not wondering what that is. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. instead you leave the movie theater and you go, 
huh, it's funny whether you say it to your kid or your partner, you know, your for spouse, them to overhear, for them yes, to overhear it, right? Yes. Like, oh, I thought that was interesting because that's not really right, yes. or you know, and you just kind of say things and interject them to get them thinking because they are I, listening. Yeah, I agree. You're right. The talk. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure. That's a lot on the, of and it's a one-time thing. One-time thing. Or maybe you have a talk about sex, and then mm-hmm. a year or two later, you talk about birth control, mm-hmm. and it's specific times. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. I think that's what I do by I accident. Parents, I've never had the talk either. Yeah. I think yeah. we tend to get a little complacent as parents. We just kind of are going through our day, which everyone does. Yeah. We do. But instead, we should be looking for opportunities yes. to teach them, not just about sex, about everything, to uh-huh. teach them how to show up in, you know, a room full of people, to teach them how to change a tire, to yes. teach them, you know, looking for those windows of opportunities because I don't know about you, but as my kids have gotten older, I realize, oh, wow, the time's almost over Yes, for me to have those opportunities. So yes. I have to start looking for them every chance I get. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Just yesterday, somebody was telling me about the fifth grader's they had, the parent had to sign off on the movies that they're showing them, oh, right? right. Mm-hmm. And the person was telling me, fifth grade is too late. They, <laughs> oh, they already, they know. already know. They already know by fifth grade. So it's it's kind of silly yeah. that the schools present things. and and. But you're a pretty open parent. Consider other parents who aren't talking yeah, to their kids. Yeah. So at the very least, they've had to have somewhat of a conversation right. in order to get that paper signed. Well, yeah. So that's kind of a brilliant manipulation there. Yes. Well, because I think popular culture and mm-hmm. like we were talking, movies, TV shows, mm-hmm. it's coming up all the time. Everywhere. And it's a part of life. Mm-hmm. And to see it, sometimes things are negative out there. Yeah. You know, movies, situations that really don't happen in real life. And it's an opportunity for me to say to my kids, like you said, you know, people really don't do that. Right, that's not They're what real They're just doing it for shock like. value or whatever, <laughs> yeah. and we'll have a conversation. But yeah. but um, tell me about the toy business that you did have in this area. So we I, did parties. Yes, sorry, we got off Yes, I know. <laughs> so fun, it's okay. Yes, I've been doing toy education for close to 20 years, if uh-huh. not more. Um, and it's just something that I've always loved. It's something that is relatively easy for couples or individuals to just pick up uh-huh. and add something to their sex life, whether it's exploration of their own bodies, their partner's bodies, uh-huh. um, a new way to kind of just suggest a type of play or to a, a new way to come together uh-huh. or come together. <laughs> and I think it's relatively simple. It's easy. It's non-threatening. Right. Some people are threatened by sex toys, but it doesn't have to be that scary. Right. Um, I still do like one-on-one consultations. I do events and workshops at um, adult stores uh-huh. in different places. So I'm still doing a constant level of education, just not in a targeted demographic. It right. used to be all... Um, wonderful housewives or couples and that was great because I really felt like again it was that easy (laughs) I say easy insertion but in a way (laughs) it was it was a way for me to interject this information in the least threatening way possible in the community exactly and I still remember being at the preschool and you mm. arriving with a box with bags <laughs> with everybody's names on them and stuff, mm. and it's like Christmas. Yeah. Like, here comes here comes the stuff, and but you did it so tactfully Thank you. that it was just it was wonderful. There was nothing. Yeah. Uh, more and more people, it grew. Yeah. I think that particular business, and I I think that you've just branched off from there mm-hmm. and gotten. I read something the other day about you, oh. and they it was saying. She's one of those 
people that is such a great example of somebody that's gone from more adult business Mm -hmm. to more legitimate and has done it smoothly. So, I mean, everything is just like, it's, it's great. And it's more approachable. It's approachable from you because you're so kind and you're just, it's from a giving place. And I think that's what always happens. It's the intention Mm -hmm. behind what you're doing in this world. And that's what makes you happy to do it. Well, thank you. Everybody for has their that. thing, <laughs> and it's it's yeah. just great. You're no. really good at it. Thank you for seeing that because I I have definitely evolved over the years of my sex toy education and intimacy uh-huh. expert um, title uh-huh. because I have kids that have gotten into a sexually active stage. I have elderly parents that you know I would love to be able to give not sexual pleasure but sexual education uh-huh. and like personal pleasure and just personal inspiration right, to people right. of all ages that are right. going to be in a sexually active state so right, right. you know as we get older we tend to forget about it uh-huh you know kind of get lazy leave it to the wayside oh i don't need that anymore but our sexual energy is such a big part of our vitality definitely definitely and you know what vehicle i'm going to take a little break right now and then i want to talk to you about libido about that libido and how what are some of your best ways that you would share with people how Mm -hmm. to keep that going okay all right so we'll be right back you guys i really appreciate you stopping by the show today i hope you're having fun eavesdropping on our conversation here i hope you're getting a lot out of it i do want to warn you that in this next section we are going to be talking about a little bit of detailed information about sexual practices of some out there in the world. So if you're sensitive to that kind of conversation, well, you don't even know what's coming yet, do you? But I just want to give you a warning. It's a little more adult in the next section over here. But before I get to the rest of the conversation, I want to give you a little bit of information about our sponsor of the show here. We are back. We are back. I have Miyoko Rifkin here right now, and we are going to be talking right now about libido. Let's talk about that zest for life. <laughs> that, what do you do? How do you help people maintain that? I think the biggest thing to keep in mind with libido is science. Uh-huh. Um, like I said earlier in the show, I'm a kind of a recreational sexologist. I love anything and everything that relates to our sexuality. And one thing that is easy for us in the beginning of a relationship is libido, desire, uh-huh. passion, all of that stuff comes so easily. Uh-huh. From a scientific biological level. Uh-huh. So when you're dating somebody new, especially for women, right. your body's actually pumping a lot more testosterone into your system. Mm-hmm. You know, all of those butterflies, everything, and that keeps your libido just spiked. Uh-huh. Unluckily for men or whoever it is that we're dating, we get bored pretty easily. Uh-huh. Women actually get bored quicker than men. Uh-huh. Men like variety, women get bored. We like excitement and adventure. Uh-huh. So something the forbidden. <laughs> not necessarily forbidden, but just not the same thing all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So we need that dopamine a little bit more in uh-huh. order to keep our libido in check. Uh-huh. So a lot of times just dating in a way that is not the same date every weekend. You know, it's great that couples have a date night. Right. I love that. My husband and I have a couple date nights a week. But if you're doing the same thing consistently, you're not getting that spike. Yes. 
of something new. And so it's not really like kind of kicking your engine into a high gear. You're just kind of, oh, okay, it's date night. It's great. Yay. Right. Right. So even going to the movies, going to dinner, it's so nice. But couples who, and they did studies on this as well, couples who go out and do different things like hiking together or, uh-huh. you know, doing some sort of new sport or new activity are actually more interested in each other. Like it spikes because yeah. it's different. You have to learn something new together. You're maybe in a position of like fear and unknown together. Yes, yes. Some risk, a little yeah. bit of risk. You're, yo, man, you're just reminding me. <laughs> and Rob just and chemical. I used to do that. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't been doing, like what, every month we would take yeah. turns, we would alternate nice. picking a new activity that we'd never done before. Yes. And we live in LA, so there there's a lot to choose right. from. Mm-hmm. But, but it's easy to get lazy it's easy. because it's far to go do everything yes. from where we and live. And then the kids are getting older, so right. the weekends are about tournaments and blah blah yes. blah. So time goes quick, but you're yeah yeah, yeah you're yeah. you're absolutely right. So, so just changing that, it up mm-hmm. from an activity from a date standpoint. Oh yeah, even if it's just a dating thing, right? Like just change it up. I mean, right. even just on a completely non-sexual level, they say that even brushing your teeth with your opposite hand uh-huh. keeps your brain sharp because you're not doing the same thing. It's not implicit memory anymore. Yes, yes, yes. Right, you're having to actually like. Right, right. Get everything moving to go, oh, how do I do this again? That's so <laughs> funny that you say, though, too, that women, women especially, are more interested in, in changing it up mm-hmm. because those toy parties, let's face it. Right. All the, the women. Oh, and the men were okay with that. Of, of course. course. <laughs> of course. But they're like, okay, honey, here, go ahead, get whatever right. you want. Right. And, you know, we'll test it out when you get home. Right. But really, it's the women that yeah. need to keep things yes. interesting yes. and yes. exciting. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Now, I have to tell you, actually, I have a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. A couple of listeners, when I told them, that I was going to be interviewing you, mm-hmm. they sent me some feedback, actually. Oh. Just a couple of people out there I knew that would give me mm-hmm. good feedback. So I had a couple of questions. Okay. I just I just remembered I was going to ask you. Okay. Expiration. Of? Olive oil in the kitchen goes bad. Mm-hmm. What about those oils? Depends on what you've got. So um, essential oils tend to, tend to stay good for a long time. Like doTERRA essential oils. Sure, type. any okay. type of like pure essential oils. Yes. But when you're dealing with nut oils, almond oils, things like that. Uh-huh. So even if you have like, like a, a natural massage oil, mm. smell it first. Because yes. oils go rancid rather quickly. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. What do you think? What would you advise? What's the shelf life? Have you had... Um, it depends on how much you have to dump synthetic it. stuff is it. Oh, I've had plenty of things I've had right? to dump. Yeah. It's such a shame. You it guys, shame. life is too short. Use the oils. <laughs> yes, use the massage oil. Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. You can yeah. have a Kama Sutra kit sitting oh, there yeah. for 10 years and you go and it's bad. You right. know, Not that I've done that. but <laughs> You go to take it, it and you're like, oh. You're like, oh. Yeah, it does happen. Yeah. So yeah, restock those massage oils for sure. Yes. Or, you know, if you keep coconut oil in the, in the kitchen, that's great for a massage. Yes. Um, it's great for sex if you're not using condoms, but uh-huh. it's not condom safe. Okay, so just that's make sure, right. Right, that's right. So anything that's oil based is not condom safe, which is why we were talking about kids and the information. They this get is why education movies. is so important. Yeah, it really there is. There are little things that we maybe don't know, don't talk about, and we just assume they're okay. Yes, but oils are not good for condoms. So, yes. Well, yeah. one of the other questions that mm-hmm. somebody was asking was about condoms, actually, mm-hmm. because. They were forgetting. Their kids are starting to ask them now. Oh, yeah. What types of condoms are out there? Mm-hmm. 
Like what? And it's changed. I know. So much. That's the thing. So that's what they wanted me to ask you. Oh, Be, no! Tell because <laughs> okay. because they don't know. There's so much information yes. out there. Yeah. And I think when you're talking on social media, when you have a show like this, for instance, mm-hmm. my whole point is to raise awareness and education. That's what it's about. Right. So give us your cheat sheet. Tell well, us. Well, something that I read really recently that I found fascinating that I didn't even realize is that only sixty percent of the condoms out there are designed to. Fit most men. Uh, the size. S- correct. Okay. So 40% of men can't just go to the store and buy a condom that's going to fit them well. Because it's too small that's or too a big, big number. either way? Yeah, that's a big number. Ah. So I think, especially when it comes to body acceptance for men, I can't tell you how many wow. clients I have that are male. Yes. And their first question is, is my penis normal? Wow. And so, you know, we focus a lot on women's bodies acceptance, but men have the same issues about their bodies and they have the same misconceptions about right. what it is that pleases women uh-huh. or men, whatever their sexual partners are. Right, right, in right. In regard to their penis size. And right. so it's always um, humbling uh-huh. when I get that question. And it's like, wow, you know, the average encompasses such a wide range but yet 40 percent of men out there don't even fit the average that's a big percentage yeah that is Mm -hmm. and men i mean i don't know you know riley can go in somewhere use a restroom somewhere Mm -hmm. and you see other guys but you really don't want to stare probably i'm sure you're not comparing right but there's but men are taught to compare yeah because they're taught that we care that their sexual yeah. partners are going to care right. about the size of their anatomy. And like, I guess it's the same for women too. We're kind of raised to think that breast size is really important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and being a smaller breast size myself, like it wasn't until I was in my 20s, well into my 20s, uh-huh. that I learned to love my breasts, uh-huh. really. Right, right. You know, and was like, oh, wait, I don't have to have huge boobs for right. men to like me. Right. And then you get into childbearing. Oh, yeah. And they get bigger. That's right. a whole other story. <laughs> anyway. And they might never go back all the way. <laughs> anyway, there's oh, yeah. all that. Yeah. But so, you know. And the men love body that. Acceptance Just admit is it. On both sides. Some of them do. It's, yeah. Some of them do. And, and that's and, the thing is that we all are to some degree partialists, which uh-huh. means there's a certain part of the body that really turns us on. Right. So for some men, it's going to be breasts. For some men, it's butts. For some men, it's armpits. It's yeah, feet, yeah. It's, you know, there's all different parts of the body that we're excited about and turned on by. And if we have those discussions mm-hmm. with each other as we're raising our kids, right. like there's so much out there right. that is this beautiful aspect of sex and sexuality that we never even talk about. All we talk about is penetrative sex. Right. Yeah. That's it. And that's like this much right, right. about all of the pleasure and the intimacy and the connection that we can have with someone. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, and then we can get into the ugly side of penetration too, mm-hmm. which we were talking about movies mm-hmm. and some things that are in the movies that I've had to talk with my son about. Mm-hmm. It's like anal sex, mm-hmm. the princess promising it is just sometimes the oh, way yeah, the movie you know what movie about. i'm talking yeah. about yeah it's like you can put it in my butt right and i'm like what right. it's the princess Not talking wants to do that yeah yes. and it's just but also but to, interesting to have statistic. that in front of my my kid and mm-hmm. him to think that that's normal that that's a reward right and then we can talk about the whole thing what's going on in that the middle schools sex or whatever is a reward by the way yeah i really try to steer that's away true. from sex yeah. being a barter Yes. Sex has been in the barter system for so long, for yes. centuries. 
Yes. We really need to get away from that. You know, yeah. that's part of changing the Me Too culture is yes. women not bartering sexual favors right, for right. what they want. And, right. and yet we've been taught to believe, like, keep your virginity until, you know, it's somebody that A, pays you a lot for it or B, marries you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, so we have those things ingrained in our mind, deep, deep in our psyche, mm-hmm. is that our sex and our affection is for barter. Right. So, and it's still being perpetuated by movies and scenes yes, like that. Yes, yes. But interesting statistic is that it's actually more... Uh, heterosexual couples that are exploring and experimenting with anal sex Uh like they did a study that over the course of the last three to six months how often have you and your partner had sex and they asked the question to gay couples and also to straight couples Uh straight couples were having way more anal intercourse than gay couples really yeah so you know and and um i don't you know i have friends whose kids are growing up gay and those are questions and they're like i don't know how to talk to them about sex because i'm not gay i'm like you don't have to be gay to talk to your gay, to your it's gay child the same about emotion. sex. Yeah, still the same emotions. Yes. Still the same menu of things that right. you can do before you ever the get to fluids are the same. Sex. Everything, yeah. yeah. And she was like, "Oh yeah, I I realize that now." But at the time, all she was thinking was was anal sex, and she's like, right. "I have no experience in that." place I'm like you don't have to that's like the top of the list of what your child is going to do with somebody thank you cover everything in between yes cover everything in between because those things shouldn't that shouldn't be the first thing on their list right 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 and you know what happens is thank you for saying that you're Mm -hmm. right what a great thing to bring up you guys because what happens is if it's something that's foreign to us we Mm -hmm. have an instant aversion to it right even if it's our own kid. Right. We don't know how to talk about it, and so we avoid it. Right. And unknowingly, we kind of yuck their yum yes. a little bit. You know? Yes. And we go, oh. That, yeah. And we kind of, there's a judgment there. Right. Or a perceived judgment, and right. we don't want to do that. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. Um, let me ask you the third question <laughs> that came out of people in the area. Sexual activity mm-hmm. for kids. Mm-hmm. What I think is that common? <laughs> I guess so. She, I mean, this person was asking me because she has two boys. Mm-hmm. One's 11, one's 15 or something. Mm-hmm. The 11-year-old is really promiscuous already. Wow. And it's the girl. There's a girl in their neighborhood mm-hmm. that's older. That's, that's seducing. She's, yeah. <laughs> Young yeah. Boys. So, I mean, and let's get, let's, let's switch gears too in a moment mm-hmm. to the Me Too thing. Right. Because... Boys are just are victimized as well. Oh yeah, I mean this um, is clearly a type of sexual predator. Yeah, and it's legal because of the uh, legal system that we have in place because mm-hmm. of the difference in age range. I don't know how old the girl is, um, and yeah. you know that it, that does become a question because at some point it could become a legal issue. Right, right. You know, that older female could actually have charges pressed against her depending on what's actually happening. Right, right, right. Um, Because an 11-year-old does not... It's so scary, right? And we both have sons. Mm -hmm. We both have a son and a daughter. Mm -hmm. But I almost feel more sensitive to my son. And the idea of him, of suspicion, Mm -hmm. and being victimized... Because he's he's very tall, people always assume he's older. Yeah, and um, there's that whole idea mm-hmm. of women. In well, the I future. think boys I too; they don't have any guidance right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they they're hearing a lot of stuff from the Me Too movement, and so they immediately are just shut off. Mm-hmm. I can't look at a woman. I'm not supposed to objectify them. I'm you know, but 
like I shared with my own son, you're allowed to be visually excited by right. something. Mm-hmm. It's okay for you to appreciate someone's beauty, even if it creates feelings in your body that you think are different. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be shutting down that excitement in their bodies either. Right. It's how they act on those feelings and how they act with that stimulus uh-huh. that matters. How do you then show up as the type of man you want to be? Right, right. How do you communicate that to somebody? What is it that you actually want? Mm-hmm. You know, do mm-hmm. you want to feel close to somebody or do you want to orgasm with somebody? That's a big spectrum. Uh-huh. And men aren't taught that either. Men are only given you have sex or you don't. Right, right. Right? Yeah. And I think that even a lot of men in their 30s that I know still don't know how to navigate that. Yeah. They have a need to feel close. They want to be cuddled by somebody. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily want to be sexually active with someone. Uh-huh. You know, and men too have the same wants and needs and desires as women and both sexes are at a loss at how to communicate that and get what they actually want. Right, right. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And it's just that whole idea of compassion for people who are different than ourselves. Right. But we're all the same. We right. all have and and women and men, there could be women out there that don't have as much a need right. to cuddle. Exactly. And stuff too. There are, there are many. <laughs> I'm that, you know. I don't need to cuddle after sex. <laughs> Your book. Oh, yes. Let's, it's old now. but <laughs> it, it, it's still Time applies. is irrelevant. <laughs> this book right here, you guys. Miyoko wrote several years ago now. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it's still available. Yeah, it is still and available. And I think it's so fun to look at you guys. It's called The Practical Strip Tease, The Housewife's mm-hmm. Guide to the Practical Strip Tease. And you wrote this while you were doing your toy business mm-hmm. here in this area, mm-hmm. which, which, by the way, I forgot to talk about this for a second. I remember one of the parties that you came here to the house mm-hmm. and you were setting up. And my son was really little at the time. <laughs> and there was a box that mm-hmm. you brought in. And the box started moving. <laughs> that happens. Was, yes, that happens. But vibration mm-hmm. and those, those items in there, mm-hmm. but also our voices, also your words in this book. Yeah. The vibration mm-hmm. continues. Yeah. I love I'm, that. I'm glad. I love that. And seriously, even that memory of that box vibrating <laughs> on the floor brings, brings me happiness now. Right. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, so I think it's so cool. But this book right here is still available. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys can look look it up on Amazon. Is it on Amazon? <laughs> it's still on Amazon. Right? And yeah. And the reason that I wanted to write it was because when I came out to this area, yes. it was very hard to make friends by you having me come into the house and, mm-hmm. and you know, do this toy party for all the right. women. It really just broke the ice. And then people would come to me and say, I kind of want to learn, you know, they learned more about my past. I would love to learn how to do a strip tease. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I was doing these strip teases and I thought, wow, I should just write a book. Yes. And yes. Just, you know, so it's basic stuff. You don't need to have a pole installed in your bedroom. It's how can you be sexy, little basic fundamental things that you can do so you don't feel at such a loss. Yes. For women, we're afraid to do things if we're going to look stupid. Uh-huh. So, right. Right? So we want to kind of plan it out, have a have a game plan. Uh-huh. And by practicing a couple of the moves, it'll give you the confidence to go, okay, I know right, what I'm right. doing somewhat. Right, right, right. And be willing to laugh at yourself. Wow. I hope you had fun eavesdropping on this conversation today. I want to thank Miyoko so very much for coming into the studio and spending some time here on the Strong Body, Strong Soul show. 
I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. As always, feel free to message in with any comments or questions. Look at the show notes. I'm going to go ahead and put some links there so you can find Miyoko if you'd like to see what she's up to or if you're in our local area, if you'd like to take one of her pole dancing classes. They are amazing. And she will be appearing soon, by the way, at the Acro Festival in Los Angeles in a couple of weeks here. So check that out if you want, if you're in the area, and keep coming back to the show. I hope you enjoy the content here. As you could plainly hear, we don't edit much here, do we? Also, in case you are curious, a YouTube video will be forthcoming. As you could plainly hear, some of the content in this conversation might be kind of fun to see photography match to it. And you can see Miyoko and I laugh on video if you like. So I'll let you know when that is ready for your viewing pleasure. I am Maria. Just in case you forgot, make sure to stop by on whatever platform you happen to be tuning in from and give this show a review and a five-star rating if it's appropriate. So I'll talk to you soon. I love you. Keep that positive energy flowing. Just in case you're interested in trying the meditation that I have out there, there's an album called Awaken. It's available on CD, baby. Go ahead. Go ahead. Check it out. Go ahead. Buy one. I don't even need to know your name. It's okay. I would so appreciate the support. You have no idea. And I just wanted to remind you that it is possible to become a listener supporter of the show here for as little as 99 cents a month. You can subscribe. You can cancel at any time. No worries at all. But if the content that I'm providing is of some value to you at all, that would be a great way to let me know. I would so, so appreciate that. Have a great day. I love you regardless, by the way. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Just in case you were enjoying the background music that I was using in this particular episode, I want to introduce you to Marquesa. Her album is called Sacred Elements, and the song that I was using is called The Earth is Our Mother. Miyoko and Marquesa collaborate quite often on stage performances. Marquesa is an amazing musician, and I would love to, as a grand finale to this episode, share the entire three-minute song for you. Here is The Earth is Our Mother by Marquesa. <laughs> <laughs>